The venues and moderators for the presidential debates have been selected. The first debate to be held at Democrat National Headquarters will be moderated by Don Lemon. The second debate to be held in the Portland Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone will be moderated by an anonymous man wearing a mask and holding a brick. And the third debate to be held on the Mexican border will be moderated by Jill Biden, disguised as Chris Wallace. The debate format will begin with a cognitive abilities test in which Donald Trump will have to name the entire population of Tanzania and Joe Biden will have to name who the president of the United States will be if he wins the election. They'll follow questions on specific topics where the candidates have expertise. Trump will be asked details about China trade deals and Biden will be asked details of what the shapes of the discoloration on his basement walls remind him of. Trump will be asked about his proposals for bringing the riots in our cities to an end, and Biden will be asked where he would be if he were in Milwaukee. Trump Trump will be asked to discuss the threat posed to world peace by a resurgent Russia, and Biden will be asked to discuss the threat posed to Goldilocks if Papa Bear comes home and discovers she's eaten all his porridge. The candidates will each have four minutes to give a reply followed by two minutes to nap and rest up for the next question. If at any time either candidate wants to suspend the debate, he can signal the moderator by muttering incomprehensibly for three sentences, then talking about what great friends he is with Barack Obama. In an innovative move, the candidates will be allowed to have an aide assist them during the debates. Trump has chosen Mike Pompeo to brief him on foreign policy, and Biden has chosen that nice nurse Betsy, who will answer all the questions for him and then lead him off the stage. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right, Araya Ra, we are back again. And remember, I have another show tomorrow, so the uh, Clavenless Weekend will be delayed for a day. Please go to YouTube, subscribe to the Andrew Claven YouTube channel. We've already crossed the 100,000 threshold. We're now looking to have 72 million people, so please get on that and subscribe. And if uh, you leave a comment and the comment is completely absurd and stupid. We will consider that that elevates the conversation of the show and we'll read it on the air. Here's one from John Jeffers. He says, when Brian Stelter says Nick Sandman's name in the mirror three times, Sandman appears and t- takes Stelter's wallet. It's a little, a little Sandman humor there. Mr. That's a little sound. We should have played the candy. It's the candy man. Anyway, never mind. I watched a fascinating trailer for an upcoming HBO show called Coastal Elites by virulently anti-Trump writer Paul Rudnick. According to Breitbart, the left-wing Daily Beast has previewed the show and called it a cathartic and insufferable anti-Trump rage fest and possibly the most anti-Trump scripted programming to air on a major network. That's an interesting combination of adjectives, cathartic, which means it purges your emotions, and insufferable, which means it's unendurable. In the trailer, there are Trump-hating coastals ranting against the president. Here's Bette Midler, who plays a woman under arrest for attacking a man in a MAGA hat. He's wearing jeans and a windbreaker. And the hat, the red hat. 
You know the one. The MAGA hat in New York City. Two blocks from the public theater in Cooper Union where Lincoln spoke. And Larry Kramer is like me going to Nebraska, wearing a yarmulke, waving a rainbow flag while reading a book. As they don't read books in Nebraska. Here's another clip. It's Sarah Paulson on how she feels interact- interacting with a Trump-loving uncle. Then my uncle Dirk says, Trump is a real straight shooter, tells it like it is, and I'm drowning. I try to say something, but only random words come out. It's like I'm in the exorcist. Charlottesville, Obamagate, golf! (laughs) The petty viciousness and nastiness and small-mindedness of these characters reacting to the fact that their choice of president doesn't always win is indeed insufferable and elitist. And maybe if you're an insufferable elitist, it's also cathartic. But it's kind of depressing, I think, that Paul Rudnick, who is a talented writer, he wrote that charming gay comedy uh, In and Out. It's, it's depressing that he was able to write these characters accurately in all their ugliness, smallness, and hatefulness. But he doesn't seem to understand himself how ugly, small, small and hateful they actually are. I don't want to say too much about the show because I haven't seen the show, but it says something about your sense of entitlement and cultural dominance when you can expose yourself as awful, but you feel that it doesn't demean you to be awful because everyone who's anyone knows you're still better than the neighbors and fellow citizens you hate so very much for disagreeing with you. It's a real clue to how the left became despicable without knowing it simply by so disdaining those unlike themselves that they'll never check to see if maybe the deplorables are actually better human beings than they are. It's really, really is telling and kind of depressing. All right. Now, I have an ad here for for Cars for Kids, and it says that I'm supposed to sing the Cars for Kids jingle. But I'll make you a deal. I won't sing the Cars for Kids jingle if you will get rid of your car and give it to these kids. If you have a car that's taking up space, sitting, it's blackmail. Yeah, it's like, I've learned this from the Democrats. If you have a car that's taking up space, sitting in your driveway that you don't use, that you're paying insurance on, why? Get rid of it, donate it to Cars for Kids. You, <laughs> that's not me. That's the point. The thing is, it's not me singing, which you would not like. You'll get a tax deduction and a vacation voucher. Here's how it works. Cars for Kids makes the process of donating your car quick and easy. It takes about two minutes. They handle all the details, all the paperwork. All you need to do is schedule a pickup and sign the title. And the pickups are contact free. You leave your signed title with your keys in the car to avoid unnecessary contact. The Cars for Kids driver will conveniently pick up your car while maintaining a safe distance. Your car donation is fast and free. It's usually picked up in 24 hours and cars for kids will take your car even if it's not running. It's tax deductible and your tax deduction is based on the sale price of your car. Cars for Kid works hard to sell your car for the best price, which means more funds for their charity and a bigger tax deduction for you. And as a special thank you for donating your car, Cars for Kids gives you a vacation voucher good for a three-day and two-night hotel stay. With Cars for Kids, you get professional service, convenient pickup, a maximum tax deduction, a vacation voucher that's a good deed. Donate today at carsforkids.org slash Clavin. That's cars with a K, K-A-R-S, the number four kids, K-I-D-S dot org slash Clavin. They'll give you the donation experience you deserve. Carsforkids.org slash Clavin. That's Clavin, of course, with a K. L-A-V-A, also N. There are no E's in Claven. So 
This, this blindness on the left is, is truly corrupting. It really is. The blindness to themselves, which is really a blindness to us. They don't know who that we are. They never see us. They own the culture and they never have to see us. They never interact with us. They never have to argue with us. They never have to confront our arguments. It's just Fox News, Sean, that Rush Limbaugh. It's just demonic. Your names turned into demon, demon uh, uh, entities that they just have to fear. You know, it's Nebraska. They don't, they don't read books and out in Iowa. What's, you know, it's, that's the way they talk. And it results in things like this. Here is a priest in New York City, a Catholic priest, Father Kenneth Bowler, leading his congregation through a Black Lives Matter catechism where they have to pledge their allegiance to the ideas of the left. This is cut one. Do you affirm that white privilege is unfair and harmful to those who have it and to those who do not? Yes. Do you affirm that white privilege and the culture of white supremacy must be dismantled wherever it is present? Yes. Do you support racial equity, justice, and liberation for every person? Yes. Do you affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person? Yes. Therefore, from this day forward, will you strive to understand more deeply the injustice and suffering white privilege and white supremacy cause? Yes. Will you commit to help transform our church culture to one that is actively engaged in seeking racial justice and equity for all, for everyone? Yes. Now, for those of you who don't go to church or a Catholic or Episcopal church, those are the kinds of uh, catechisms that you get at baptisms. Do you agree that you will help this child live in Jesus Christ and so on and so forth? So he's really perverting this. Uh, he's per perverting the word of God into a political manifesto, which is a very, very wicked thing to do. Listen, I know I'm a partisan. I, I am a conservative, but I know the Democrat sitting next to me is beloved of God. And I know if he's a Democrat or a leftist of goodwill, that he's looking as I am looking to improve the country and improve people's lives out of love. And I know that he's totally wrong. And yet God loves him. And maybe God sees it from some other point of view that is above mine. This guy has lost that plot of of. Catholicism of his own religion because he is so supported by a culture of lies, by the empire of lies. He has perverted the word of God. He's perverted the word of God in the name of this pol politics, which surrounds him in a bubble, and he knows no other thing. This is the danger of owning the culture, and this is one of the reasons we have to take at least a part of the culture back. So you want to see this writ large. I mean, the, the the effect of thinking that you think you're invisible when you own the culture. You think no one can see you, right? And, and the people who can see you don't matter because they're deplorable and they're, they don't read books and they hate a rainbow flag, you know, as if nobody in, in the Midwest has a, a gay relative or anything like this. It's amazing also when you go out to these places, you go out to the Midwest, you go out to what the left calls flyover country, how integrated and at peace people are with one another and how much they don't feel that kind of the kind of bigotry that is exists in the imaginary uh, Midwest of the coastal elites. Right. But there's this big fuss over Nancy Pelosi's hypocrisy. And these are things these are like gotcha stories that sometimes I avoid. But this one really is telling because it's not just her. If it were just her, I probably wouldn't even talk about it. But she went, I guess it was Monday, she's in San Francisco, where she is, of course, the powerhouse politician. She's the biggest, most powerful Democrat politician in the country, I guess. And there are standing city ordinances that you're not allowed to, you know, hairstyling and things like that are very tough because you're up close to people. You only can do this outdoors and everybody has to be wearing a mask. And what the salon's owner does is her name is Erica Kios, I think it is, and she rents chairs to independent stylists 
One of those stylists came in to work on Pelosi's hair to give her a blow dry, right? Because I saw this thing, you know, because basically because she blows. But never mind that. So she gets caught. Pelosi gets caught not wearing a mask, having her hair done indoors. Now, just to, to set this up, let's remember that Nancy Pelosi is one of the biggest supporters of masks and shutdowns. She's a Californian. California is really overdoing it. California is indeed fulfilling the most paranoid dreams of the right wingers by using the Chinese flu to seize power, intimidate the population and make them comply with their whatever little random thing they think is science this week. OK, and she Nancy Pelosi has supported this in the past and has attacked Donald Trump for not wearing a mask in public. It's cut five. What further evidence does anyone need that this president didn't care less about the spread of this virus than to see what he did vandalizing, by the way, uh, the White House by bringing all those people there, no mask, no distancing and the rest. He slapped science right in the face. And what a bad example that was. So it's science for thee, but not for me. And it's not science because now she gets caught on the security video in the salon, walking from room to room indoors where she's not supposed to be getting her hair done and without a mask. So what what was it? I was framed. She says I was set up. Is, wasn't, wasn't there some criminal who says I was, I was set up? I was set up. They, they made me rape that girl. They made me kill. She says she was set up by the salon owner, this lady, Erica Kios. This is cut 13. I take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times. And that um, when they said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. I think that they owe, uh, that this salon owes me an apology. So I love classic Democrat apology. I take responsibility for blaming everybody else. I take responsibility by blaming everybody else. And her daughter, Christine, remember, this is the woman, Christine, who said that uh, her mother would cut your head off and you wouldn't even know you're bleeding, which is like it's like being a lizard child. You know, yes, I love my mother. She'll bite your head off and you won't even know <laughs> it's a great family, the Pelosi's. She issues, she puts out, tweets out a lawyer's attack on this lady, which, you know, this is San Francisco. This is woke central. This is a, a small business. And I don't like to do identity politics, but let's look at it from the left's point of view. It's a woman's small business, right? I think she, I think she may be a single mom small business. I'm not sure. I'm not positive about that. But it's a woman's small business. She's making her way in the world. And Pelosi gets caught as a two-faced hypocrite. And it's the business lady's fault. Uh, you know, Tucker had her on this lady, Erica Kios, Tucker Carlson had her on. By the way, I didn't see her on any other network. I may, maybe I missed it, but at least Carlson had the, uh, you know, the decency to let her speak. And this is what she had to say. Cut 14. She's been coming in for quite a while. And just to see her come in and especially not wearing the mask, that's what really got to me. But Yes. You know, this isn't even political. I mean, she's been coming in there. It's the fact that she actually came in and didn't have a mask on. And I just thought about, you know, my staff and people not being able to work and make money and provide for their families. And if she's in there comfortably without a mask and feeling safe, then why 
are we shut down? Why am I not able to have clients come in? Right. Because you exposed her, you know, and it's uh, that's that's why that's why, because you you know, and this is, by the way, in New York, when people have criticized like bar owners and so on have criticized New York City or New York State for not allowing them to reopen, saying we need to have people indoors. We need to get our businesses back. They've lost their liquor license. I mean, this is the old Democrat way. This is the way Chicago, these are Chicago rules. You vile, you criticize the Democrat Party. They come back at you. You lose your job. You lose your patronage job. You lose your liquor license. Suddenly your place isn't safe. Suddenly the inspectors come in and they find 15 violations. That's the way Democrat machines run cities. That's the way Barack Obama ran the country when he had the IRS slow down the Tea Party request for tax exemption. You know, that's the way Democrats work. They use the machinery of government to control your life and therefore they want more machinery of government. It's for your own good because remember, trust the experts. Otherwise, you're slapping science in the face. But then once they have the power, if you criticize them, you disappear. Your business disappears. Your liquor license disappears. Your place is a fire hazard. Suddenly you're in big trouble. This is what they're doing. This is what they always do. It it is the way that Democrats operate. And there's no way to challenge them on it because they will, in fact, cancel you out that way. You know, this says a lot, actually, about cancel culture. It is part of cancel culture, this idea that because they never have to confront us, because they never have to argue with us. They never have to debate us that they never know who we are. They think like, oh, the things that we define what's hateful. You said something that disagreed with us. Therefore, you are hateful. Therefore, stopping you from speaking, throwing you out of the university, canceling your job, canceling your Oscar gig, canceling your movie, canceling your statue, right, is perfectly justified. We define what's hate. You disagreed. You're hateful. We can cancel you. It's just going after hatred. And, you know, this is the way they think. And they're so shocked. They're so shocked when anybody disagrees with them because they never hear anybody disagree with them. You know, Joe Biden was questioned by Peter uh, Ducey from Fox. Play play that clip for a sec. I, I know you always ask a hostile question, but go ahead. You said that you warned President Trump in January that there was going to be a pandemic and what needed to be done. If you knew that, then why were you still hosting crowded campaign rallies in March? Now, what I talked about was not what had to be done. What I said, you've got to take this seriously. You've got to insist that we have access to Wuhan, insist that we have access in China to find out for ourselves. We had 44 people from CDC there. Joe Biden complaining about a hostile question. Joe Biden, who hasn't answered a question from the press, from the from the uh, uh, opposition press forever, who won't go on Fox News, who won't even go up against Chris Wallace, won't even send his spokespeople to go up against Chris Wallace. He's complaining about a hostile question because he never hears a hostile question. You know, poor Joe, poor Joe. He got a hostile question from from Peter Ducey. That never happens to Trump. Trump never has to stand up for that stuff. When has Trump ever had a hostile question? You know, that's it's just not fair. It's just not fair. But it's not fair to them because they never get outside. They're all hiding in their basement, every single one of them. We'll talk more about this in a minute because that Biden press conference was really something. But first, let us talk about car shield car shield you know i I, i'm old enough to remember first when cars first came in when they replaced my horse but but i remember standing out 
on rainy roads with my car broken down by the side of the road, fixing a car myself while trucks went by, risking my life. Nowadays, you open a car hood and you do not, you are not able to fix it. There are computer systems. That's the new normal. You need to be a computer guy to fix them. I, you know, a wrench does, you can just play with your wrench. So you need some kind of insurance to deal with the systems if they break. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. The people at CarShield understand payment flexibility is an absolute must. Monthly plans can be customized to your needs with rates as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitments. CarShield gives you options. Others won't. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for a covered repair. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention code ANDREW or visit carshield.com and use code ANDREW to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code ANDREW, a deductible may apply. So, you know, this this Biden thing was such a disaster. He gave a press conference, sort of. You know, he doesn't really answer any questions or anything. But he... He gets asked this question by Peter Ducey. He babbles like an idiot. He went on for five. I can't even p- play the clip. He, he babbles for five minutes. And then nothing he says adheres because the minute he speaks off, you know, half the time, even when he's on Zoom, he's looking in his lap because he's got notes there. And we're not supposed to notice that everything he says keeps changing. Remember the mask he was going to, he thought there was going to be a national mandate on masks. Suddenly, no, it was cut too. It's about saving Americans' lives. So let's institute a mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately, and we will save lives. But so you don't see, you, you, you had suggested there would be some kind of a federal mandate about masks, and now you're saying... No, no, what, what, people? no, no, here's... What I suggested was, I would ask every person in authority, there's a question whether or not a president under the Constitution could mandate right. everyone wear a mask. And remember, all during the primary, I'd have a lot of people telling me I would buy executive order do. I'm a constitutionalist. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> I don't think the word constitutionalist means what you think it means. Remember when he was going to shut down the economy again? I mean, this is an amazing thing. You know, it's like they're living off their polls. They're living off their polls. They're just, they follow what they think they can get away with. And we all know it doesn't matter. Just like when Barack Obama said he didn't support gay marriage after he said he did support gay marriage. It didn't matter to people because the Democrats knew he was lying. They knew he was lying to deal with those people out in the Midwest who don't read books and don't know anything and would fall dead if they saw a rainbow flag. They knew he was lying to them because they're stupid and they don't count. Right. Because they're coast only the coastal elites count. That's why they want to get rid of the Electoral College, because they want California and New York to run the country. Because why shouldn't it? Why shouldn't it when we're demons and they know we're demons? Why? Because they never see us. They never talk to us. They never communicate with us. They never debate us. They don't know any of the facts. They hate the facts. He was also asked Biden by David Muir uh, if he would shut the economy down again, if that's what was required. Cut three. Would you be prepared to shut this country down again? I would be prepared to do whatever it takes to save lives because we cannot get the country moving until we control the virus. That is the fundamental flaw of this administration's thinking to begin with. 
In order to keep the country running and moving and the economy growing and people employed, you have to fix the virus. You have to deal with the virus. So if the scientists say, shut it down? I would shut it down. I would listen to the scientists. Now he gets asked if he still believes that, cut four. Unless we're able to deal with the disease and drastically cut its impact on people's confidence of being able to either go to work or walk into a business or do business, then it doesn't matter a lot. There is going to be no need, in my view, to be able to shut down the whole economy. I got asked by David Muir a question if I was asked to shut everything down. I took that as a generic question if am I going to follow the science? You're a lying dog faced <laughs> pony soldier. <laughs> he is a lying dog. You know, I, I just I'll, I'll just play one more. This is to add to his absolutely firm policy on fracking. This is cut 22. I am not banning fracking. No matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. Like what about say stopping fracking and stopping I am not banning fracking. No matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. I am not banning fracking. No matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. No more, no new fracking. No matter how many times Donald Trump lies about me. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. (laughs) <laughs> he actually said to one woman, look in my eyes, look in my eyes. There's not going to be any fossil fuels. Of course, she looked in her eyes. She saw at the back of his head, which was kind of odd. But, but you know, this kind of flip-flopping, if it were Donald Trump, if it were Donald Trump, it would be the biggest story in the world. And people would say, oh, look, a liar, liar, liar. Remember the Washington Post that says, oh, there's, we've counted his lies now and we're up to four billion and 72 lies, which, by the way, They haven't counted the lies in the Washington Post because they can't see because democracy dies in darkness. So they can't see what's going on at the Washington Post. But this kind of the the fact that Biden never has to face that kind of turmoil, the fact that he never has to face that kind of question. And, And, you know, I'm beginning to sense that some of these reporters actually pity him so much they won't ask the questions. Now, obviously, they treat Democrats differently than they treat Republicans, not just differently. It's black and white. There's absolutely no um there's no relation between the way reporters treat Democrats and the way they treat Republicans. Democrats are their friends. Republicans are enemies. Democrats are the friends of freedom, democracy, love and peace. Republicans are evil demons. And that's why that's why Biden thinks he, that he's equipped to run for president when he's clearly not. And I do hold Jill Biden accountable for this. I have to say, you know, she seems like a lovely person, but she should not be letting them do this to her husband. This is elder abuse. It, it really is. I mean, you know, you can't help but make jokes about it because they're running. You know, I was, saying, I was talking to the God King, uh, Jeremy Boring, the other day. And I said, you know, uh, after a few years, I'll probably lose so much of my cognitive ability. I won't be fit to be anything but the Democrat president of the United States. You know, I mean, they're putting up this guy who is so uh, is suffering from such a cognitive deficit that I, I think some of the reporters actually feel that they can't ask him a question. But compare this to the way Donald Trump is is treated. You know, it's an obvious comparison, but it is important because Donald Trump is not a politician. He's not a politician and he is a big mouth. He does make life hard for those of us who, who want to defend him. But he was asked about the shooting of Jacob Blake and he talked about the fact that police, you know, may not be able to make decisions quickly enough and may get nervous in this moment. This is cut 21. They choke just like in a golf tournament. They miss a three foot. You're putt. not comparing it to golf because, of course, that's no, what the media I'm says. saying. People yeah. choke. People, people, people panic. choke. Yeah. And people are bad people. You have both. You have some bad people and you have they choke. 
You could be a police officer for 15 years, and all of a sudden you're confronted. You've got a quarter of a second to make a decision. If you don't make the decision and you're wrong, you're dead. People choke under those circumstances. So Laura Ingram trying to she hears right away that this is not a good metaphor. It's an insensitive metaphor, right? It's, you know, somebody was shot. It's not the same as a golfer missing a putt. But it's, you understand what, he, what he's saying. He's not saying anything evil. He's not saying anything bad. It's just an insensitive metaphor. Now, William Barr, the attorney general of the United States, who didn't say this, goes on with Wolf Blitzer. And I'm going to play more of this interview because this was a really interesting interview. But just this one point. Blitzer asks Barr about Trump's metaphor. Okay, this is cut nine. On Monday night, uh, President Trump compared the police shootings like Jacob Blake's, for example, uh, in his words, to a golfer choking and missing a three-foot putt. Is that how you view police shootings, like a golfer missing a three-foot putt? No, I think what the president uh, was saying there, and it's uh, something that I think should be said and has to be said, that in many of these shooting situations, it is not because of race. It's because... Uh, the officer is scared for his life and is in a, a situation where a half a second can mean the def- difference between his life and his death. And he's wrestling with somebody and they sometimes may do things that appear in hindsight to be excessive. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's racism. So Bill Barr, the attorney general, is asked to be the Trump whisperer and explain what is an obvious simile or metaphor that that Trump was using. Again, insensitive is not the one I would have used. I get it. But still, why is Barr having to answer that? And why does nobody have to answer for, for Biden? Biden doesn't have to answer for himself. Biden doesn't have to answer for himself. But nobody goes around asking each person, do you uh, agree with Joe Biden uh, on the stupid things that he's saying, on the ridiculous mistake? And meanwhile, here's something that uh, Andrew Cuomo said about Trump visiting New York City. It's cut 18. He can't come back to New York. He can't. He's going to walk down the street in New York. Forget bodyguards. He better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. From the point of view of New York City, this has been the worst president in history. Look, the best thing he did for New York City was leave. Good riddance. Let him go to Florida. Be careful not to get COVID. That was the governor of New York State threatening the life of Donald Trump if he comes to New York City. They edited it out of the news reports. They played the 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 comments, but edited that threat out. They edited it out. So they're not just they're not just not confronting other Democrats with the comments the Democrats make. <laughs> they're not confronting the audience. The audience doesn't see. And that's how you get people like that Bette Midler character. That's how you get those characters like the coastal elites. They never have to confront themselves. They never see themselves in the mirror. Never at all. Paint your life. You love it. It's great stuff. It really is. It's really very, it's kind of incredible. You take a photograph of yourself or your wife or your kids, whatever you want, uh, your spouse, I should say, or, or your kids, your dog, your home. You take a photograph, you send it to paint your life. They have an actual artist hand paint that photograph into a work of art. And the art, artist will consult with you. They'll send you things. They'll, uh, you can go through it on the computer. I did it. You go through it on the computer and you check off the things you want and what you like about it and how you want to frame it and all this stuff. 
And it's you get this hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. Send any picture you want. It makes a perfect birthday, anniversary, or wedding gift. It's meaningful, it's personal, and you can keep it forever. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You get 20% off your painting. 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Andrew to 64,000. That's Andrew to 64,000. Text Andrew to 64,000. Paint your life. You can celebrate the moments that matter most. You can also now watch The Daily Wire on your TV. There's always been a lot of ways you can watch and listen to us. You can get Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other podcast apps, YouTube, Facebook, and of course, right here on dailywire.com. Now we have a new upgraded experience for you. Daily Wires on Apple TV and Roku, so you can watch it on your TV. You have to be an Insider member to watch live. So head over to dailywire.com slash and use code watch to get 15% off your membership purchase plus a leftist tiers tumbler. Again, that's dailywire.com slash to get 15% off with code watch and download the Daily Wire on your Apple TV and Roku today. We'll have more uh, Bill Barr coming up. All right. So Biden has this new ad out, a really remarkable ad, I I think, because it is the Democrat narrative and it's so false. Here's just a little bit of it. Why in this nation do black Americans wake up knowing that they could lose their life in the course of just living their life? Part of the point of freedom is to be free from brutality, from injustice, from racism and all of its manifestations. We have to let people know that we not only understand their struggle, but they understand the fact they deserve to be treated with dignity. They gotta know we're listening. Reforming policing in this country means creating a national standard on use of force. So they're suggesting you're afraid, a black person is afraid of losing your life to the police just by living your life. A completely, it's completely false. I mean, I'm not saying they're not afraid because they've been made afraid by the left's narrative, but the facts don't support it. The chance of a black person losing his life to a white person is something like five, five in a million, something like that. It's, it's incredibly low. The fact, uh, losing your life to the police, almost non-existent. That's an almost non-existent number, but they're so ginned up and afraid of it that the, the ad is playing into those fears. It's also a pernicious ad because there's a picture of it of a, you know, a family, you know, it's, it's black families that are intact families, a black dad reading to his kid. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. Of course it does. But because of Democrat policies, or at least in correlation with Democrat policies since the Great Society, the black family like that is the minority of black families. The black family with a father in-house is the minority. The illegitimacy is at somewhere at 77%, I think, 75 to 77%, which is worse than it was back in slavery days when Democrats were actually trying to break up the families on purpose. And you know, this is what I think people of goodwill want for black Americans, Americans of goodwill. And look, Uh, Of course, not everybody is of goodwill, but we can only play to people of goodwill. We can only get anything from people of goodwill in our lives anywhere. Americans of goodwill, think back to when Bill Cosby was still a thing before we found out all these horrible things about him. But before that, when he was had that show, a black family, a black middle class family, you know, they were in the uh, they were intact, loving marriage. That was like the number one show in the country. He was the number one star in the country. Why? Because people are rooting 
for black Americans. They're, they don't want to see this. Nobody, nobody wants it. Nobody of goodwill wants this for anybody else in our country. But they're selling you this idea that they are, that you as a black person are living in a ho- in hostile territory. And it's just not so. So Wolf Blitzer has William Barr on. And he asked him about this narrative, basically. And all you, the whole interview is Wolf Blitzer delivering the narrative and William Barr answering with the facts. This is cut seven. There appears to be a phenomenon in the country where African-Americans feel that they're treated when they're stopped by police frequently uh, as suspects before they're treated as citizens. Uh, I don't think that that necessarily reflects some uh, deep-seated racism in in police departments or in most police officers. I think uh, the same kind of behavior uh, is uh, done by African-American police officers. I think there are stereotypes. I think people operate very frequently according to stereotypes. And I think it takes extra precaution on the part of law enforcement to make sure we don't reduce people to stereotypes. We treat them as individuals. But of course, because crime in poor black communities is so high and because the black participation in crime is so high, there is this experience that black police and that all everybody has. Barr mentions this as Jesse Jackson says he feels more of a threat when a black person comes up behind him. But the thing is, if the, those statistics were true of Irish people or Italian people or anyone else, we would treat them the same way. So it would actually be treating black people differently to say, oh, yeah, we're just going to ignore those statistics. So there is that. But of course, there's also the idea. Look, I know if I'm on a dark street and a black guy comes up behind me, I know I'm not making a judgment on that individual. I'm playing the odds and trying to keep myself safe. But the whole thing about these shootings, that your life is in danger as a black person from police shootings, if you don't happen to be wielding a knife and trying to steal a car after attacking a woman you're not supposed to be anywhere near, the whole narrative is false. This is cut eight. I think the narrative that uh, there's a, that the police are on some uh, you know, epidemic of shooting unarmed black men is simply a false narrative, uh, and also the narrative that that's based on race. The fact of the matter is it's very rare for an unarmed African-American to be shot by a white police officer. There were 10 cases last year. Six of them, the, uh, the suspect was attacking the police officer physically. So these are rare things compared to the seven to 8,000 young black men who were killed every year. 10 people, 10 people who were unarmed, but many of them attacking the police and others, you know, you just don't know what the situation was, except if you're on CNN, then you just make the judgment without finding out the facts, but you don't know. So 10 people, country of 330 million people, 13% of those are black. That's almost a non-existent number. Now, I realize that if any innocent person gets shot, and especially if they get shot by the police, I know that's a tragedy. I'm not uh, belittling that. But I'm saying when you concentrate on that, when children are being shot routinely, routinely in Chicago, and nobody says their name, nobody says their name, those little kids who get shot when a drive-by shooting happens, why isn't that the problem? That's an actual problem. That's an actual threat to people in poor communities. Again and again, Wolf Blitzer brings the narrative, Barr answers with the facts. And, And at one point, there was one moment that was an absolute 
kind of a shock, you know, I was, uh, as I was talking about the fact that the left never confronts the other side in any meaningful way. It's not, it's not confronting the other side to shout them down or call them names or say they're racist or just use their name as an insult. Limbaugh, you know, oh, it's Limbaugh, you know, you're not going to listen to that, it's Limbaugh. Never mind the facts, never mind. Or the other thing that they do where they say, that's a white person talking. That's a white, are you going to tell me about it? Again and again, this happens. And here is an incredible conflict of Wolf Blitzer's narrative coming up with just the facts. This is uh, cut six, where he asks him about the shooting of Jacob Blake and the shooting of George Floyd and the killing of George Floyd. How do you think African-American parents around the country explain to their kids uh, what exactly happened to Jacob Blake, for example, uh, and why that police officer had his knee on George Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes? Yeah, well, I'm not going to talk about Blake, the Blake case. Uh, why not? Because I think it's different than the Floyd Case. What's different? Well, uh, Floyd was already subdued, incapacitated, in handcuffs, and was not armed. Uh, in, the, in, in the Jacob case, he was in the midst of committing a felony, and he was armed. So uh, that's a big difference. <laughs> That's kind of a difference, kind of a big difference, Wolf, you know? It's like, check your press card. What does it say on it? Oh, I'm press. I'm supposed to know there's a difference between an armed man resisting arrest, getting shot, and a guy who's already subdued and the cop treats him badly. You know, those are two different things. And then Wolf Blitzer answers at one point by quoting uh, Jacob Blake's father, who it now turns out is this anti-Semitic loon who's like, pro, you know, putting forward all these crazy theories about black people and Jews. I mean, the guy, the guy is really a very weird guy. Why should he be quoted about anything? So this is one of my favorite clips. I got to play this. This is Lovebirds, uh, Joe Scarborough, Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski watching Bill Barr. Uh, this is their commentary. Cut 10. That's Claire, a bad guy. Claire McCaskill, he is. He <laughs> That's is, a bad guy. He, he is an extraordinarily, is an extraordinarily <laughs> bad public servant. Just the worst. Uh, and and you, you really, Claire, I think. Just the worst. I think Donald Trump and Bill Barr yeah. in those two clips yesterday, yeah. they have saved us from having to explain the depths to which they plunged during the Trump era. All we have to do is play our grandchildren those two clips. And they'll look at us and they'll say, Granddad, that must have been really bad. Facts. I hate those facts. I don't need no stinking facts. I got a narrative. I don't need no stinking facts. It is really, it really is remarkable the blindness that they go on and say these things, and they, and and also the, you know, I I got to give it to Joe and Mika that they're a, you know, a comedy team. They're doing opinion pieces really, but this is what the New York Times is like every day. Every page, every article is just filled with this kind of hatefulness and this kind of dismissiveness, and that making certain, making certain that the readers of the New York Times never have to say, huh, maybe it's me, maybe I'm the bad guy. One more thing I want to play. One last thing is this uh, narrative that's now becoming a big deal. They call it the Red Mirage. A top Democratic data and, and analytics firm has put it out that on election night, it is true that Donald Trump may win by a landslide. But once those mail-in votes come in, that landslide will disappear that landslide will disappear, and therefore we shouldn't concede. Nobody should take the election seriously. This is really dangerous. I mean, don't they love their country at all? 
Barr answered this with Wolf Blitzer, uh, this whole thing about the mail-in votes and whether it's wrong to think that they could be suspect. This is cut 19. This is a, you know, sort of cheap talk to get around the fundamental problem, which is the bipartisan commission chaired by Jimmy Carter and James Baker said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion. But since then, and, there have and been until a lot this of administration no, well, that have improved it. Let me talk. Yeah, please. Uh, and since, this, since that time, there have been, in the newspapers, in networks, academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. So, you know, I mean, don't they love this country at all? I mean, I, I guess they don't. They say they don't. It's not like me accusing them of being unpatriotic. They say there's racism. Our DNA is founded on the blood of slaves, is founded on racist principles. They say this all the time. But huh? all they do is say Trump may not may not accept the results of the election. <laughs> and then they're telling you not to accept the results of the election. They're demanding that you not accept the results of the election. Don't they see these cities burning? Don't they see these cities burning, these businesses being destroyed, these lives being destroyed, the violence in the streets of our city? What do they think it's going to be like on election night if they tell people that this election is false? If Donald Trump wins by a landslide, God willing, and they tell him not to accept that. It is really, it really is dangerous. And you just think, you know, if you had to sit with somebody and confront them and argue with them and sit next to them in church and not have the priest tell you that they were damned, if you had to love them, if you had to talk to them, if you had to accept them, as we on the right have to see the left. We, we have no choice, right? Because we watch TV, because we see the news, because we go to the movies, because we watch you know television shows and we read books. We have to see the left. They don't have to. They can live in this bubble and it is making them hateful and it's making them violent and it's the reason we're in the difficulties we're in. It's not Donald Trump. Donald Trump does things that are wrong. I say it all the time, but it's not his fault. He's not the one who divided this country. The country was divided when this wall of misinformation was put up between the left and the right. And that wall of misinformation, that empire of lies is the Academy, the news media and Hollywood. And they're still at it. I got to stop there, but don't forget, I will be back tomorrow for a Friday show. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.